0: Why can't I be the MVP of the league? Why can't I be the best player in the league? I truly have enjoyed being your quarterback. Right between the eyes.
1: A spectacular
0: Too big, too strong, too fast, too good. We just gotta do what we do. We play like we play. Can you feel that? That thing is beating your doggone chest right now. Can you feel that? Can you feel what's about to happen on this field? What is up, diehards? Mr. West is in the building for AWOL Sports. Preseason, in the middle of it. The regular season, inching closer and closer and closer. You can just feel it. The regular season, right around the corner. And you better believe, I've been doing my homework. Looking at second round draft picks as wide receivers. Looking at the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Three key statistics that I've tracked over the past five seasons, kind of surprised that 2014 and 2015 brought way more impressive passing stats than the past couple of seasons have. You would think it'd be the opposite. That's not the case. And I'll go over those specific numbers with you later on in the show. I want to hit the second round wide receivers because my buddy at work keeps talking about Dante Pettis. So I'm going to give you the second round of wide receivers and their statuses over the past few years on who's a success, who's a contributor, who's a bust. I don't really like using that word. I like people. I hate demeaning people. But this is football, and this is what we do as fans and analysts. It is what it is. Their play defines everything. So in the offseason, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's recovering from a knee injury, says Dante Pettis is, quote, something else, a tremendous talent, end quote. So I looked at the second round wide receivers, and this is a list. It actually goes beyond a few years. It's from the year 2010 to 2017. I didn't count last season 2018. Those guys are mostly to be determined. It's it's too fresh. So 2019. I'll, just, I'll give you the guys that were drafted 2019-2018 if you want to keep an eye on them. And then we'll get to the years that I kind of did some research on from 2010 to 2017. So the past two seasons, here's who was drafted in the second round at the wide receiver position. This past draft, Debo Samuel to the Niners, A.J. Brown to the Titans, Mecole Hardman to the Chiefs, J.J. Arcega Whiteside to the Eagles, and it's actually pronounced Arcega with a TH instead of a C for Sega. Nonetheless, moving on, Paris Campbell to the Colts, Andy Isabella to the Cardinals, and DK Metcalf to the Seahawks, who is going to recover quickly, supposedly, from a knee injury. Moving forward, 2018, Cortland Sutton over in Denver. The, The aforementioned Dante Pettis and Frisco, Christian Kirk over in the desert of Arizona, Anthony Miller in Chicago, James Washington in the black and yellow with the Steelers. All right, from 2010 to 2017, out of 43 second-round wide receivers, minus the seven that were just drafted in 2019, and yes, it's early for the 2018 draft players that we just went over as well, so subtract those five, and we're down to 31. 31. 31 wide receivers from 2010 to 2017 drafted in the second round. 11 of 31 have panned out so far. So far. It's about a third. Granted, some are TBD, but they are from the same draft class as others that have instantly become somebody. So if somebody's count, so do the TBDs. 11 out of 31 means Pettis and Samuel, etc. They all have a chance. But they could bust as well. That's a two out of three chance. I just thought the whole Dante Pettis fantasy football talk warranted some research. And this is what we came up with. So the highlights. 2017, Juju Smith-Schuster. 2016, Michael Thomas of the Saints. Date back a little bit. 2014, Devontae Adams. 2014, Jarvis Landry. 2013, tack on Robert Woods. He just is coming off his first season over 1,000 yards. Then you go back to 2012, Alshon Jeffrey. A year before in 2011, Randall Cobb. And the year before that, 2010, Golden Tate. And these guys are still in the league, they're all starters. Here are the players that are still TBD. Zay Jones in Buffalo. Curtis Samuel in Carolina. And I put Tyler Boyd of the Bengals on this list. He is coming off a 1,000-yard season. It's a little bit of an asterisk. Maybe he's a tweener. Maybe you want to highlight him instead of saying he's TBD. It's a new offense in Cincy. Tyler Boyd, he hit a K. A.J. Green got injured. That's probably why, but guess what? A.J. Green entering this season, injured again. Going to miss some games. So I'd understand if you want to lean towards being a highlighted second-round wide receiver for Tyler Boyd already, I get that. For me, TBD. I don't fully trust Andy Dalton. A.J. Green is the unquestioned number one once he returns, whether it's week two, week six, whatever. And I'm not so sure Boyd's going to hit a K again. That's why I have him there. Not that I don't like him. And then some guys that are contributors. It's Jordan Matthews. He's been a contributor for the Eagles. He's now on the Niners. We're talking about Allen Robinson. He had some good days in Jacksonville. This year, second year removed from a knee injury in Chicago. And then Torrey Smith. Back in 2011, he was with the Ravens. Contributed on a Super Bowl winning team with the Eagles. And now he's with Carolina. As for the other guys. I'm just going to go down the list here. Devin Smith, drafted by the Jets. Dorial Green Beckham, drafted by the Titans. Devin Funchess, drafted by the Panthers. He gets a second chance. He's now with the Colts. So maybe he resurfaces. Just maybe. Perhaps the same can be said for Marquise Lee, recovering from a knee injury in Jacksonville. Paul Richardson, drafted by the Seahawks. He hopes to find some form of health in Washington this season. Then, next guy would be Cody Latimer, drafted by the Broncos. He's now part of a rebuilding receiving core on the Giants. You have Justin Hunter, drafted by the Titans. Aaron Dobson, drafted by the Patriots. Brian Quick, drafted by the Rams. Stephen Hill, picked by the Jets. Ryan Broyles, a Lions pick. Reuben Randall, remember him from the Giants? How about Titus Young? He was hyped up for Detroit. Greg Little, drafted by Cleveland. Dexter McCluster, a pick by the Chiefs. Aurelius Ben, picked by the Buccaneers. That's the list. There you have it. You can be the judge. Replay this so you can get the names down. One-third have been successful. Some are still TBD. So again, to recap, the successful wide receivers from 2010 to 2017, Golden Tate, Randall Cobb, Alshon Jeffrey, Robert Woods, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, and the guys on my to-be-determined list, Zay Jones, Curtis Samuel, Sterling Shepard, and Tyler Boyd. Guys that have been contributors and probably will be moving forward. Torrey Smith, Allen Robinson, and Jordan Matthews. Maybe to varying degrees. I think we all can agree. And perhaps Paul Richardson, but I think he's got more proving to do to resurface. Cody Latimer does have a chance as a young wide receiver. But, you know, it's going to be his fifth year. So, some of these guys... They're going to have to put themselves on the map. I'm not going to do it for them. Their play will do the talking. So yeah, when it comes to Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, McCole Hardman, J.J. Arthago Whiteside, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, D.K. Metcalf, guys that are rookies heading into this season. If we use seven years as an example... That's how many? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 guys. And then let's throw in the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 guys from the 2018 draft. And again, those guys are Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington. That's 12 guys. And only a third are going to be good. Only a third of those guys. And that's 3 out of 12. So let's do this together. I didn't I haven't looked at this part. Thought it'd be kind of fun to do this with you. Which three guys are they going to be? Debo Samuel. He's a rookie. We have no clue. Do, should we should we take our best stab at at these rookies or should we put this little fun exercise off? Until like a quarter of the season, so we can make a quick prediction on that and let it play out. Or half a season. Yeah, it'd be easy to say, oh, let me watch him for a year and all. But I mean, I call it as I see it. Right now, I don't have any freaking clue. Debo Samuel seems like he's the top three wide receiver in the Bay. A.J. Brown seems like he's the top three wide receiver on his team. He's, you know, uh, McCole Hardman seems like he'd be the number three. Arthaga Whiteside enters the season as the number four. Paris Campbell also on that 3-4 borderline. Andy Isabella, 3 4 borderline. DK Metcalf. He just got injured. He was on that 2 3 borderline. And then Cortland Sutton. He's, you know, either 1A or 1B to Emmanuel Sanders, who I've loved throughout his career, but I have questions about him coming back from an Achilles. Plus, he's older, and it's Joe Flacco at the helm. <sighs> it's tough. Pettis, his teammate Debo Samuel's also on this list. So there's a chance only one of them can pan out, and that might be best-case scenario. There's a chance none of them do. However, I am a Kyle Shanahan fan. I like his offensive game plans. I think one of them is going to be at least a contributor, at least a name to remember. When you're thinking about 49ers football, Christian Kirk, he's going to have the opportunity. He's learning from Larry Fitzgerald. He's going to be in a fast-paced offense. He's going to have the opportunity. We'll see if his quarterback can really play at this level. And Kyler Murray, that does matter. It's not always going to be about where these guys start. You know, That's just not how the league works. You, you, you want to be a high draft pick, but at that same token... You want to be put in the best position to succeed. You want to get drafted by the best team for your skill set. You know, that mutual, oh, we need your skill set, and this is a good environment for you. Not everyone gets that luxury. If you're talented, you get picked probably as high as possible unless you get into some trouble. That's just the reality. There's no boo-hooing about it. You're getting paid. Your dreams come true. You just got to do you. You just got to take advantage. So really, it's on the team to be smart and to make the best decision. It's not really on the player. They're getting drafted. So, hmm. the final two receivers on that 12-man list are Anthony Miller, James Washington. Anthony Miller is a top three receiver in the Windy City. Washington, top three in Pittsburgh. So, I'm less inclined to pick a rookie. Less inclined because I haven't seen a down. But what I do know is, A.J. Brown, he's been injured. It's tough to start your career out with an injury. Not impossible to overcome. You get healthy, and then you learn the playbook, and then you get into a rhythm, develop the rapport with the quarterback, and then hopefully you blossom. As a high draft pick, second-round draft picks, you gotta hit, or GM's gonna lose his job. You gotta hit. So Samuel and Pettis are gonna get a chance to play this year. They are. Garoppolo. It's gonna be his first year, hopefully starting 16 games. Nicole Hardman looks like. Not only is he going to play, he's kind of an understudy at the same time for Tyree Kill. In case the Chiefs decide, let's move on. And it's Andy Reid as the head coach. And it's Pat Mahomes at quarterback. It's a very good team in Kansas City. If I had to pick one of the rookies and I had to read some of the tea leaves, even though we're not throwing many bones... Nicole Hardman might be my pick here because Ortega Whiteside, he can get open. He's a big body, plays in the mold of Alshon Jeffrey, who he's being an understudy for. May get some snaps as a number four, but not immediately as a rookie. He's not going to get thrust into heavy playing time unless an injury were to occur. Paris Campbell, similar situation. Andy and Isabella, he's actually been outplayed by some other rookies. By Akeem Butler. But we're talking about second rounders here. DK Metcalf has the speed. He's a raw football player. Corlin Sutton. People want to think good things about him. As they do with Pettis and Kirk. I think Kirk's in a position to succeed. But when there's questions about your head coach and quarterback, the exact opposite of what Nicole Hardman has in Kansas City, It's tough for me to pick you as the one-third to make it. The Bears, second-year head coach, young quarterback, kind of a gadgety offense. It's going to be tough for Anthony Miller to put his stamp on as as a guy that you think about as a starting wide receiver that you'd want on your team. James Washington may be easier to put on your list because of the Steelers' history at the position. Hmm. So I've already picked McCole Hardman. And James Washington seems like a logical second person to pick. And we're looking for three here. I'm not sold on James Washington, but I will for the moment, for the time being, buy the Steelers' success at the wide receiver position. So we'll go ahead and put Hardman on this list. James Washington, and we're now down to finding one more. Would you pick Sutton or Pettis? Do you, would you pick Pettis over Gebo Samuel, his teammate? A lot of people like Paris Campbell. But like I said, I'm, I'm only sticking with one rookie right now. Maybe you're thinking differently. I'm just popping questions up for you. You're part of this exercise. So I have Hardman in Washington. The third guy I will put on this list will be Sutton. Cortland Sutton. This is just a fun exercise. I am not 100% sold on any of these guys. But based on the numbers, three out of these 12, they're going to make it. We're going to know who they are. They're going to make plays. Welcome Joey Balistrieri back everybody. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. There's a lot of things to talk about. It's been a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, It has been a little bit, but I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me back again.
0: Of course. A little bit on the air at least. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of bit, you know, yesterday, talking off the air, Mm-hmm. talking quarterbacks.
1: It's been a lot of prepping for this season. It's been a lot of conversing. Rankings I think prepping for, right. yes, a lot of prepping for the season to come, a lot of prepping for this episode, I think. Yeah. So
0: talking. So let's start with prepping. Okay. What are Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin
1: Gordon doing? <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I think, I mean, I'm, as, as we're recording this, uh, Ezekiel Elliott very privately said with his agency, I believe, to the team that, hey, if you don't pay me, I'm going to sit out of uh, training camp. I'm going to do this, this, and that. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to participate unless you pay me what I deserve. Which, you know, big men need to get big bucks kind of thing, you know. Sure. Um, I think, you know, the guy's right, you know. It's like, why would you be paying, getting paid so much less than everyone else who's far less productive as you, you know. He's arguably the best fantasy and non-fantasy straight across the board running back there is i yeah. guess that there's, there's debate for him be number 1 but if, he's up there if, if not in one every list. if not two definitely 3 so um, you know he needs to be paid I, I do think, and then on the contrary is, is Melvin Gordon like, or on the opposite side of the spectrum is, is Gordon. It's like
0: more the, of a public statement, de-
1: definitely. And I think he's starting a trend again where guys are like, man, why am I not getting paid? Why am I? Why do I have the most detrimental position to have, but I'm not getting paid for it? I mean, I I would I would pay Zeke more, and I would give him a bigger deal. He hasn't really. I mean, besides him being out because of legal issues, and all this stupid stuff he did.
0: Every other month, legal issues. (laughs) Right, right.
1: But in terms of health and everything, I would pay Zeke before I would pay Melvin. I'd pay Zeke more than Melvin. Um, He's younger than Melvin. Uh, You know, I think he's he's found his team. I think Melvin's found his team, too. I think the Chargers are his team. But, you know, if you're going to kind of come out of the woodworks and just start demanding the money, which is fine, but making it public. I mean the only reason why we know about Ezekiel Elliott's thing is because the word of mouth comes out and all of a sudden everyone starts talking about it, boom, 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 bam. But um, business is business. Business is business. Are you so, scared
0: though? Any any Levy on syndrome um, here or see,
1: you? the thing the thing I'm I'm scared of as a fantasy owner, the reason why I want to stay away from these two
0: Whoa, what do you mean stay away? Like, top five, you're not picking either until you see any something settled? Or? Until
1: until that week one starts, I don't really want to make a gamble. Because look what happened with, with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. You know, as everyone can say, whatever they want about Le'Veon Bell, oh, yeah, you know, I drafted him because I knew he was going to come back. I didn't know. You, you don't know. That's the thing that, that, that you have to understand about. Sports, and especially with football, if there's talk about it, you have to assume the worst. I I stayed far away from Le'Veon Bell in all of my leagues that I was in last year. As did I. Everyone was saying, no, he's going to be fine. I mean, the best case scenario is he, you know, he sits out a game or two and he comes back. Worst case, he's out for six. I'm like, well, why would you gamble six when you can go a guy that you know is going to be for sure? And now he's at 16. So... I'm not saying that's going to be the same thing here, but I think the trend from what Le'Veon Bell did last year may hold up for Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think it is as as extreme, pardon, but I do think because that happened and he still got paid not as much as he did uh, or, or as he could have getting his game checks, but because that potential is there, it should be worrisome for all fantasy owners and the Chargers and the Cowboys. Right. You know? So, I mean, pay the guys.
0: And, and this is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The Dallas trio. Mm-hmm. Who do you pay? What talent order? Mm-hmm. We all said Zeke's their number one guy. Yeah. But, but, we, but we didn't but say, we did not say not to say, pay him. No, you're we right. Said, we said you're pay right. him last. Last. Right. But and I mean. That one caveat I had and you agreed with was if Zeke did something like this, mm-hmm. you, you change your plans. Right. You kind of have to. Or, or yeah. do you not? I mean. Behind him, they have a rookie, Tony Pollard, fourth-rounder. Mm-hmm. Behind him, Darius Jackson, sixth-rounder. Uh, between the two, six carries, 16 yards in their career. Yeah. Granted, it's the running back position. People think you can plug and play. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this much. Dallas, they made the playoffs two out of three years that Zeke has been in the league, which, coincidentally, same draft as Dak Prescott. Right. But let's. here's the constant. Rookie year, they make the playoffs. Zeke plays. And
1: he goes... Catastrophic
0: Ball. that year. Year I mean, number two, misses six games. Dak Prescott's still there. They missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Year three, Zeke doesn't miss games. They make the playoffs.
1: And they got the acquisition of of Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. So and that was in our also our last time's conversation about who do you pay? And he was in that, that middle ground, right? Yeah. So he's now a order, factor.
0: Our order was Dak, Amari. Zeke because of their position, right?
1: But then the talent basis went the exact opposite. Exact right. opposite. Zeke, so Mari, yeah. So I mean, I the thing is, is that's what's great about, um, you know, this sport. And when you're going into it and the research that you do, regardless of 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 what happens, if you draft Ezekiel Elliott, he's gonna be fine. If he goes to the Eagles, he'll be fine. If he goes to the uh the stays stays on the cowboys. If he goes to the Buccaneers, wherever he's gonna go as a fantasy owner, you're gonna be fine. What you wanna what you really wanna worry about is you drafting him. He stays on a team and he and he opts out like he did like Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't wanna play. He wants to get paid.
0: And what's weird is he has to report by the end of the first right. week of August right. or this year doesn't count towards his free agency. He's got two years left on his deal. Right. He's gonna show up. He's not gonna win this game of chicken. Yeah. He's just not Definitely. So it's different than Lev's situation, mm-hmm. but we both agree he's higher status than Melvin Gordon. Chargers, they made the playoffs once in the four years Melvin Gordon's been around, mm-hmm. and he's only had, as you brought it up, one season over a thousand yards. Right,
1: and, and that's why I brought up my first statement is like if you were to pay, if I were to, if I were to have both players on my team, I w- it would be lunacy to not pay Ezekiel Elliott first and more. And longer than I would with Melvin Gordon. Um, not even I'm close. Not t-
0: I mean, I don't think it's even close. I
1: think we. I think I texted you uh, when when it brought out or uh, when the news was released about Melvin Gordon's discrepancies within side of the his clause and all this stuff. That I keep it simple. Four million or four years, thirty-five to forty-six, maybe forty-seven million. You know, it's a team-friendly deal short, that I'm all for. Short and sweep. You're you're risking a lot of money. Obviously, I'm not saying that's a lot of money. Right. right. But it, it's not. You know, it's not Kirk Cousins' a hundred and whatever Fully bazillion dollars you gave him. Yeah. But it it it's. It's uh, not so high risk, not so high reward. Everyone's happy. He gets paid big bucks. He's still a baller.
0: We all right, understand that. Right, for sure. That.
1: And that's the best part is if you gamble with this, if he if he has a productive year and he has all of those things that keeps him quiet, meaning you know he plays a full game, uh, a, a full season rather, he gets paid what he wants, then when that... That next contract comes around, then you can give him a little bit. Lean leniency. "Man, look at we we gave you your money. Can, can, like let's you you're making the team happy and you're making the player happy, but you really the the biggest sacrifice is making the player happy. I think you're gonna have to pull a little bit more for making Gordon happy than you will for Ezekiel. Ezekiel just wants to get paid. He's gonna and, get paid And his the dude deserves it. Regardless, the dude deserves it. I question I mean, whether Melvin's gonna get his. Right, he's gone sixteen hundred yards his first season. He went nine just shy of a thousand, and then fourteen hundred. But then that second the that, that second season was also when he was out.
0: Yeah, six games, missed playoffs, under thousand. Right. So I mean there is that concern. Yeah. Always run ins, you never know when it's gonna get suspended again mm-hmm. or when its last strike is. Right. I get it.
1: The guy's the guy's worth the money, but then you look at you look at um Gordon's five year tenure years is, is like 641 yards for 33 receptions for 102 yards and 9997 rushing yards in the second season 418 1100 rushing yards 476 885 490. It's like yeah. it's it's you know the guys obviously I mean just just by the way it's trending he's obviously getting better and better every year as it's coming around, the way that you look at it, I guess.
0: He's for sure top seven back, questionably top five. But it's like
1: what do you do with the health? It's it's a team Having to trust that they love their guy, but also trust that the guy's gonna be healthy, because knees are the big old thing. That's what we were talking about, with Darius Geis yesterday. Unfortunately, is like you know, if you're if you're getting a, an injured hamstring, and then also uh, reports today was saying that you know he's fine. Um, uh, you know I'm good, whatever. You're not fine. You're lying. You're making it seem like it like it better. It's better than it actually is. And what it's, was
0: the first thought that ran through both our minds for fantasy?
1: oh it was yeah. ap yep exactly and i think i think you'll start to see the 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 trend of adrian peterson you know his adp going from I'm, i i don't know what his adp is right now like i'm nine assuming it's like 9 10 yeah, or 9 5 lower, 9 6 but, or yeah and i'm assuming that might bump up maybe to the the shy of the seven, beginning of 6 yeah 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 especially since you know washington is going to be a big question mark for their quarterback situation do you do you gamble with haskins well let's run the ball a little bit more uh, he'll get his numbers there. but
0: And they're leaning towards Haskins. I, I just saw a report mm-hmm. leaning towards Haskins. Sure. I don't know if that's the smartest thing. You got Keenum. Yeah. You saw he's capable. I yeah. digress. Going back to Geist. Yeah. But he regardless... May, it, he may never get started. Right, his right. Uh, and
1: all of those all those variables make AAP look... Really, really good coming into the season. Obviously, he's getting older, but he's definitively one of the greatest running backs of all time. He's trusted. He had a great season the year before this last one and a little bit on this one, too. But, you know, going back to Gordon, he kind of has that where it's where, uh, the the opposite of, of AP in that comparison. You don't have a clouded backfield like... Um, the Washington Redskins have it's it's they have one guy and they have Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson there too but you have a good quarterback you have a quarterback that loves to throw to the running back you have a better offensive line you have a better defense you have better receivers everything is is trending up yes but the biggest thing is every single thing that is that he's looking around Melvin Gordon's looking around everything looks great except for hey man let me check my bank account. Oh, that thing's a little lower than I was expecting it to be. So the charges just need to do what they need to do, make it a team-friendly deal, make it a player-friendly deal. Or I would say on. four, five years, or, or throw
0: move one. on. Right? Throw it away.
1: Just, just move on before. How many teams have 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 doubled down on a on a running back that has been for for perfect instance? We we say this all the time. Todd Gurley. Same city. He wanted, exactly, he wanted his money. Now he's, I believe, the second or first highest oh, he's number paid. one. Yeah, he's number one. And, you know, obviously, I'm not taking the wave. What he did the last three years was incredible. Balled out. Incredible. But now you're starting to see, once that money kind of just sets in, you see what happens. You, you, you say, Coach, you know, I'm not going in today, man. My, 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 my knee hurts or, or whatever. whatever. You have the leniency, right? Because it's like, man, regardless of what's going to happen, I'm I'm getting paid.
0: But who do you blame? Because me, I, I'm not always someone that has to point a finger for blame. Mm-hmm. However, you knew Todd Gurley had knee issues before the big extension. Sure, definitely. And don't be surprised it happened. Immediately right. after the extension, right, and I caution the Chargers the same exact thing. Exactly, no Melvin Gordon. It's the gamble. Knee issue pre-extension. Right. I'd only bring him back under a team-friendly deal. Zeke, you got to show him the money. Sure. Um,
1: it's it's the gamble. I mean, it's gambling. It's 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 looking at the trends going red, and you and you're still letting, betting black, and it goes red five times after that. It's it's you know, it's a constant struggle for for gambling. Is the cream worth the crop? I think out of any I would say probably any running back right now in the league, for the variables of of of, of health, of how long they've been in the in the uh, the league for, what what they've done in years before, what they can do. I think Ezekiel Elliott he is, the future. Is, 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 is the brightest future maybe contrary to maybe either CMC or Saquon, but it's like we don't know what's going to happen with CMC because what happens if Cam's not there? You know, I mean, is, is Cam going to stay healthy? Can we can we see what Cam's going to gonna do? Fair point. Right. Can we see what Saquon's going to do? I mean, we saw how efficient he is, but is this whole front office thing going to ruin it? But I would say Ezekiel Elliott is the number one defendant of, hey, man, if this guy stays out of legal trouble, he's – could go down as the greatest running back of all time, depending on what he can do with his future, right? And how the Cowboys treat him. I mean, we we've seen how they are with their people. They 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 pay him. They just pay him enough to keep quiet. Yeah. But it, it, you see, kind of a trend fall off on you know how productive they are,
0: especially at the running back position. Exactly. Um, so
1: I think just to, to to close it off is pay Gordon a, a good deal. I would I would go. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, pay him. You know, maybe go an eight-year, eight year eight You'd year. go eight years. I. Why not? Four. I'm good. I would. I would say. I would say six to eight because it's you're locking him in, definitively saying you are our guy for the whole entire rest of your career. If you can last eight years, I mean, he. We're kind he's, of saying the same thing.
0: Think about it. He's got two years left on his deal. Mm-hmm. If they give him a four-year extension, that's six more years. Right. I'm
1: saying six years from today. Six to eight years from today until six or eight years, and then and then, then we talk at the end of that. I'm assuming he'll be just thirty, right? If not, a, a little after thirty. Um, no, I, I think actually he's probably older than that, but. Still, it's like the Adrian Peterson situation. If you just pay the guy, the guy's gonna do I mean they're, they're unless something catastrophic happens, Ezekiel Elliott's not gonna fall off he's gonna and, eat. and and become he's gonna always eat, man. And then you are too. But if you pay the guy, you know, do like a hundred something mil, six to eight years, make the guy happy, he's worth it. I think they'll do the same exact thing with Saquon when he comes out of his rookie deal and everything. He's gonna wanna get paid. Because running backs now know how dangerous their job is and how important they are on the field if not more important than a quarterback that they should be getting paid at least equally as them damn so why not just pay the big bucks them especially since their life expectancy is so much lower than a quarterback
0: then i, I want to see this happen then cool okay. well, i'm an eagles fan so i don't want to see dallas succeed mm-hmm. but you know i, I like players <laughs> i like zeke you know? actually
1: you know what don't pay the man <laughs> bring him to philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> no nah, we good we
0: good but um I'd like to see Zeke, then, if he's really that guy. There's only been eight running backs in NFL history to win the MVP award.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy?
0: Crazy. And uh, one of those guys, it's his birthday today. The Hall Honest of Famer day. Barry Sanders. Just in a rundown, just his quick accolades. Ten years in the league, mm-hmm. ten Pro Bowls. Mm-hmm. Ten for ten. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Damn. Four-time rushing champ, six-times first-team All-Pro. 1997 Most Valuable Player, number three all-time in rushing, and 5.0 yards per carry on oh, the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Happy B Day, the great one. Happy
1: B Day. Arguably, what people say is the greatest of all time. Stepped away when he was still at the
0: prime in mm-hmm. his prime, and went 10 for 10 and said peace. And just to give you, give the everyone, uh, the eight running backs that have won MVP. Oh, jeez. In honor... No no guessing game, it, oh. it's a little challenging, so... I was going to say. But in honor of Barry Sanders and his birthday, he being one of them, Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. LaDainian Tomlinson... Is there
1: other years for these? Like, the years in which they won? Yeah. Okay. These Those are all
0: MVP seasons by running backs.
1: Well, well, do you have the years on file about uh, when they won? I'd have to go back and okay, look. Okay, no worries. So, but I'm assuming, what, 2008 season for Adrian Peterson... Right, was it two thousand and eight when he just erupted? I'd say between oh eight and twelve. Cause okay, or maybe it was two thousand and twelve. It was season.
0: after he missed the whole year. Mm. So I think he came back, was Definitely like nine yards shy yeah. of two K.
1: Definitely in two thousand and six season for Ladainian
0: Tomlinson. Um, Ladainian Thomson, Sean Alexander. Mm. that was two thousand and four, I believe, huh? And I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, though. I mean, he had MVP year, yeah. he had a good run, just wasn't that long of a run. Wrong
1: team, I would say yeah maybe
0: maybe and uh marshall falk i love that guy mm-hmm. terrell davis back on the broncos mm-hmm. thurman thomas back on the bills marcus allen of the chiefs mm-hmm. quite a list quite a list most of those guys are hall of famers mm-hmm. or will be like lt and ap first first ballot easily easily mm-hmm. so show me you're worth it zeke
1: i know right show me yeah <laughs> hey hey how hungry are you how much can you eat? It can happen. It can <laughs> happen. It could happen. It can happen. I, I and I think you know. If you, I don't want to say, I don't want to do the whole comparison. Well, if you put, if you put those guys in this modern day, I mean, because guys are bigger, faster, smaller, taller. If you can play,
0: you can play in any area. Exactly. If you can play, you can play. That's
1: what I'm saying. Though, but can you imagine those guys today? Today,
0: where they can barely tiptoe around and touch you. Couldn't even touch him. Fifteen yards. Barry Sanders always went out of bounds. Mm-hmm. LT started to go out of bounds. It was mm-hmm. smart. You can touch them. They juke you. Get extra yards. Bounce out. Mm-hmm. It was smart. Yeah. But yeah. So I do have one little trivia. Okay. Uh, something I found. So not really a question, but I'll, sure. I like sharing. I love history of that. Sure. Hand, of football. Absolutely. There's only two, pl- uh, three players. Excuse me. In NFL history. To, to win the MVP award that were not a quarterback or a running back mm. one was a linebacker and oh that's the only question I'll ask you i'll give you i'll I'll give you all the other two but who was the linebacker that won MVP I'm assu- I'm assuming it's lT the original Lawrence Taylor the
1: L- The LT you got it yeah. Man. yeah 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 that's uh I mean I mean what 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 your what you're thinking? In your head when you think about you know, the ideal defensive yeah. player. yeah, doesn't matter what it is. We're talking the most elite. It could go down as top two or three greatest NFL players of all time. You're not wrong. It's Lawrence Taylor.
0: You're not wrong.
1: Lawrence Taylor. If anyone on that whole entire list of, of anyone defensively that deserves to be talked about as an MVP, the most valuable player on the field, it is absolutely Lawrence Taylor.
0: And let me correct myself. I didn't want to go all the way back to the beginning of time. I went mm-hmm. back to 1980. Okay. Went back to 1980. Sure. So just I mean,
1: the, the game was a little bit different before 1980s, you know.
0: Yeah. So I try to keep it like in a whole entire generation mm-hmm. from, the 80, from 1980 to 2019. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go too far, too carried away. Yeah. But yeah, the great LT. The great. And then the other two. One was a kicker, mm. a kicker, man. His name was Mark Mosley. Okay. It was a shortened season due to due to a strike. The Washington Redskins went eight and one, went on to win the Super Bowl, um, where I believe he kicked three field goals in that game and three extra points as well. Mm. A kicker won MVP.
1: Hmm. You, do you have the date on that by any chance, or is it? I mean, nineteen eighty two. Nineteen
0: eighty two, and that season when they went eight and one. He he drilled 20 of 21 field goals. Wow. Which is
1: crazy because if you think about that now, that's Justin Tucker's first 21 field goals. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's like times have changed big time. Yeah. You know? They have. I'm not comparing Justin Tucker and him, but I'm saying just the average, your average elite, you know, Harrison Butker, uh, Justin Tucker, Greg Zerline, all your elite guys. Yeah. Man, they do 21 E's. They're on the money. Yeah, exactly.
0: And the Then, out of curiosity, Mm -hmm. I went back in totality of NFL history to look for another kicker. I found one. Mm -hmm. This guy played kicker and get this and offensive tackle. Wow. This guy, Lou Groza, back in 1954. Lou Groza. Okay. Don't even know who he played for, to be
1: honest with you. He's like the, uh, think about, th- throw a dart on a map of the United States. Whatever that city lands on, it's there. And then look at something around you and say, like, uh, the Wichita Buildings. That team, I'm assuming, right?
0: <laughs> if someone ever named themselves the Buildings, I'd, I'd get a jersey. Yeah,
1: that's, that's like the epitome of 1800s, uh, 1890s football, early 1900s.
0: All right, Are you ready? We're going to shift things a little bit. Okay. Uh, we're going to bring the audience into what we once talked about. Okay. Um, the other day – actually, we talk about quarterbacks all the time. Mm-hmm. But the other day, we talked about backup quarterbacks.
1: Oh, and okay. And we'll
0: get to the, the aging quarterbacks in a moment. Right. Um, so kind of a Fast and Furious segment, like a one or two-liner here. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave you a list of quarterbacks. hmm And they're all backups today. Things things may change, but they're backups. Right. Do you have an order?
1: I do. And I think before it's even stated, one of the guys on this list, we don't even know if they're a backup because they haven't released it yet. And I think you know who I'm talking about. I do. It's Josh Rosen and Fitzpatrick. We don't know who it is. So my list will go, number one, we've spoken off air. I don't know if I've spoken about it on air. So for the
0: record, with this little – Game here. Mm-hmm. We have Ryan Fitzpatrick as oh, the backup. Right. right. And we um, in Miami and Case Keenum, the backup in Washington. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone else is a backup.
1: Right. As, as a, yeah. and, and to mention, the list is Tannehill, uh, Tyra Taylor, J- uh, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater, RG3, Fitzpatrick, Case Keenum, uh, Blake Bortles, Daniel Jones. And uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Over in Green so, Bay, behind Aaron Rodgers. So just yeah. to just to name it all, I have number one Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. As I think I. I think it's it's been pretty you know he's a, a could have been quarterback could have been amazing but health you know not a good coaching staff not a good offense you had one of the best reception receivers with. Um, uh, Gosh, I'm totally totally drawing a to blank. In in uh um, in Miami with him, he's now on um, the Browns. Why am I not? Oh,
0: you're talking about Jarvis Landry. Jarvis
1: man. Landry. Thank you. I am so sorry. I'm so tired, everyone. <laughs> eats up I'm, catches and eats, eats up, up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the a, a legit, but nothing else to offer really. You had Frank Gore in the backfield, and you know all these questionable head big, coach. Yeah. And, so I don't blame him, but he's still produced.
0: So we both think Ryan Tannehill is the best backup in football.
1: Yes. I would say.
0: Because we both think he's possibly still starting caliber. Mm
1: -hmm. Now that Nick Foles is an actual starting QB, I will say yes. Which I did did believe the way that Nick Foles was producing in the last two seasons that he was number one. But now that Tannehill is miraculously a backup quarterback to who I think, and we've said on air, who I think is better than Marcus Mariota, I think we might see the trend change that he'll actually shift to and they might sell and bid off Marcus Mariota. Who knows? So, At the
0: very least, the leash is short.
1: Exactly. So I said Tannehill one. I actually have Teddy Bridgewater two. Teddy.
0: Bridge. I think I
1: think what he did in, in Minnesota was fantastic.
0: High percentage passer.
1: Exactly. But that injury is what obviously you know he could have been elite, an elite quarterback. But I don't think we saw it enough because of his his injuries and such. So I have Bridgewater two. At three, I have Fitzpatrick. Only in the fact of it being out of every single person on this list, he has more experience. He has obviously had you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of bad games than he had good games, but he has experience. He he was the number one guy for the first four weeks. Talk of about last the year. streakiest player. Oh yeah. Like the ups and downs. But you know, because there's been consistencies of the ups, he I put him at three.
0: And so, real quick? Mm-hmm. For you NBA fans out there, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is J.R. Smith. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's he's going to make 10 in a row, but he's going to miss 10 in a row. Yep, so.
1: exactly. So, Ryan Fitzpatrick is three. Four, I have Blake Bortles. He was a starting quarterback. People forget that, yeah, you know, whatever you feel about him, obviously he's had horrible seasons. But they forget two seasons ago they were going to go to the Super Bowl. AFC, But title they game, lost
0: to... The Patriots, the Patriots, who most teams lose to, exactly. Except for my Eagles, but yeah,
1: exactly. So you know, and 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 I'm not saying it was because I mean, it was their defense. Their defense was fantastic. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean it was it was elite. But it it comes from your quarterback. And I and you know when he approached the, the playoffs, he kind of he definitely kind of you know maybe eased up a little bit. Uh, he's not an amazing quarterback, but there's been times where he's been. A quarterback, your franchise quarterback, to where you can go. And cool. Plus, I mean, being behind Jared Goff, I think he's going to get more of a West Coast uh, style of throwing, which I think fits him a little bit better. And he might have chances depending on how elusive and how mobile Jared Goff wants to be. If he's going to be more mobile this year, which I'm assuming he might be, he has good legs, he has good speed, and everything. that the injury is always there, and I think Blake Bortles can fill the spot for a game or two if he needs to be back. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen in injury wise, but I do think Blake Bortles can fill the spot. He
0: brings there. starting experience.
1: Exactly. So Blake Bortles is four. Five, I have Tyra Taylor. Um, I think it's pretty much on this list. I'm, I'm going down basically saying, hey, have you started a game or have you started for a, a team without you know, the sporadic here and there because of injuries. Tyra Taylor was the guy in Buffalo, he was. you know. And then it was even that way in, in Cleveland. So I think, you know, his maybe maybe it's skill, maybe it's team, maybe it's opportunity, maybe whatever it is, that's fine. But he has enough notoriety to where it's like, hey, man, if something happens to Philip Rivers, especially how old he is and everything and his history of injuries, I think he could fill the spot quite easily if, if they need it. I All don't right. think he'll be anywhere as efficient as Philip Rivers, but I do think that he'll have um, okay with just filling the role. Like, let's get the game done. Come on. You know, whatever maybe. So, Tyrod's five. Six, I have Jacoby Brissett because, I mean, he was with New England, came in, played a whole entire season with Indianapolis. And it's like, yeah, you weren't that great, but you still did your part, which is why he's in the middle of the lineup for me pretty much because it's like, if you put a guy in a position to where he has to play, for instance, Perryman. Um,
0: Denzel Perryman on the Chargers?
1: No, um, uh, uh Peterman, I'm sorry, not oh, Perryman, eight, Peterman.
0: Nathan Peterman of the Bills. When you get
1: filled into a spot when you have to start and you just, just I mean, you're just, it's like you're not even playing. That's a difference maker. You're, you're going to do what happens to him and Paxton Lynch. You, you just retire because no team wants you. They trust Jacoby Brissett enough to where they can say, yeah, man, hey, you, you were there when we needed you. And you filled it, the spot you produced, and we didn't lose all of our games, so that's better than losing them all, you know? <laughs> True. So he has enough trust, I think, to where he would be if anything were to happen again to... Um, Andrew Luck, that he could fill the the role. I don't think they would go at twelve and four or a thirteen and three. I think they would probably go the same way where they were when they had him starting, which I don't know what the record is, so but low it was very, very, medium. very low comparison to their typical ten and six. So I have Brissette at six, RG three. I have for seven, which I'm doing it based off of skill as not so much opportunity because do any of these guys really have any opportunity only if it's injury prone or if something happens to you know like Tannehill or Fitzpatrick where they're like hey you know we, we know Tyra Taylor's not going to start before Philip Rivers we know Brissett's not going to start before Andrew Luck we know Bridgewater's not going to start before before um, Drew, Brees. Drew Brees and stuff so we know all these things so I would say RG3 seven for me Eight, I have Daniel Jones because I don't believe that he'll start um, for the New York Giants. But I do think that at any time in the season, they will pull him. I just don't think we have any idea how good he is. Any idea.
0: More unknowns.
1: Exactly. I mean, he had a great year, in uh, his collegiate year. This is going to his first year. He got drafted um, ahead of Dwayne Haskins. So we know that they want they they see something in him. They see something. But you just saw how many years of Eli Manning. So your vision's a little. You got beer goggles on right now. You know what I mean? So I have Jones at eight. I have Case Keenum at nine. What he did in Minnesota when they went when they could have went to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, NFC title game.
1: That they were heavily relying on that defense. The defense was amazing. You have two great receivers at the time too. You have a pretty dang good backfield he did enough but what he did last year when he had a better opportunity in my opinion a better opportunity with how the team was developing in denver and just absolutely sucked laid an egg man was the layer of all eggs man so it's like what are you gonna do you're gonna bring him into i think maybe probably out of this whole list he probably has the highest chance besides Tannehill, and Fitzpatrick of actually starting a game because of the question mark that's going on in Washington. But I think we know Dwayne Haskins has to be played. So it's like, is is he the backup quarterback? (laughs) Or is Dwayne Haskins the backup quarterback? Or is Alex Smith the – you're paying all these guys. Matter of time. Yeah, so I don't believe his skill at all. And then last but not least, as a Packer fan – Sean Kaiser,
0: He ain't touching the field. <laughs>
1: he ain't touching the field, man.
0: After week 1, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. He oh, plays I know. and yeah. he doesn't sit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Definitely. Well, I be I think maybe it sucks to say, but I think out of most of these quarterbacks, the person who has the highest percentage probability chance of getting injured is um Andrew Luck and and and, Aaron Rodgers. and Re- Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's happened so many times, but I just think what what Kaiser did in Cleveland and stuff, he's just not he wasn't ready there. He wasn't ready. And
0: probably. <laughs> Definitely based, is not
1: ready to fill the role.
0: He doesn't have starting experience that the others on this list have, I and agree. he's not the first rounder. Even though he was the second rounder, mm-hmm. he wasn't the top ten pick that some of the other guys He's just were.
1: one of those guys that fell off. So that's my list. So go one why. through ten real quick again. Um, I've got one through ten is Tannehill one, Bridgewater two, Fitz three, four Bortles, five Tyred, uh, 6 Brissett, 7 is RG3, 8 is Jones, 9 is Keetum, and 10 is Kaiser.
0: And there's Joey's list. My list real quick. Ryan Tannehill at the top. 2, Tyrod Taylor. 3, Jacoby Brissett. 4, Teddy Bridgewater. 5, RG3. 6, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I only put him there because I believe most of his good football is in the rear view. Sure. Um, I'm not discarding his past. Uh, seven, Case Keenum, eight, Blake Bortles. Uh, To be fair, he just hasn't had good coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's a great quarterback. He's far from that. But when you have a guy like Sean McVay, and I'm still probably the only person on the planet that doesn't think McVay is married to Jared Goff yet because he didn't draft him. (laughs) I'm not wishing or hoping for anything. I'm just saying until I see an extension, I think the jury's out. So I'm not saying Bortles is going to come in and steal the job. But if he had an opportunity, I think he'd do better than he ever did in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. just based on McVeigh alone.
1: Sure.
0: Um, and then nine and ten to round out the list: Daniel Jones, Deshaun Kaiser. Um, we haven't seen much of Kaiser. We know nothing about Jones. Mm-hmm. So, granted, they're all the way at the bottom of the list. I got Ki- I got Kaiser behind Jones because he was a second rounder. Yeah. Simple as that.
1: An opportunity, I would say. Yeah, I, I think I think Daniel Jones will have a significant higher chance of the probability of starting than Kaiser would. Okay. A, 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 a game, obviously. Eli Manning is literally sitting there in the chopping block, head in head in the guillotine kind of thing. It's like, dude, first bad game, shh, done. Shot fire. Where it's like, it's not gonna happen with Rodgers, you know. The oh, only no way chance, that that no. that Kaiser is gonna ever start is if there's injury, you know. So.
0: So let's pick yeah. you back off that Eli and shot fighter thing. Last thing before we cut out. Sure. So w- there's four great quarterbacks right now. Mm-hmm. Older quarterbacks. Possibly all Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We have Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. So Tom Brady's got Brian Hoyer behind him. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger, he's got Mason Rudolph, third rounder. Teddy Bridgewater, we know it's backing up Drew Brees, and then Tyrod Taylor, we just talked about him as well, backing up Philip Rivers. Say these four quarterbacks <laughs> are starting to get their Eli on. Mm-hmm. They go Kinda zero and four, eggs. zero and six, maybe two and seven, like a bad poker hand. Just how many games would it take for them to pull one of their great quarterbacks? Because I would say I only ask this because they're all thinking Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. they all think they're shoe for the playoffs and they're all thinking they're gonna win it all right that's why I bring this up
1: yeah i say and and what's crazy is they're all very close in age and they're all very elite it's crazy they're the oldest guys in the league but some consider the best guys in the league whatever you want to look at it but they're also experienced and none of them have really had a bad year nope and it's not and if they have it's not bad definitely been because of their fall especially someone like philip rivers ben roethlisberger you can argue has had a bad year but for fantasy purposes has produced for actual team purposes has always kind of pursued or uh, produced rather i would say every single one of them you give them o and a and then pull them i don't think i don't think you can you can't cheat any of them out maybe ben roethlisberger out because of his history of injuries and stuff like that and in and, and last year when he got pulled out and got replaced and stuff, you know, you can't give them not less than eight games to to figure out because none of those backup quarterbacks, on their worst day, is their best day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Those starting quarterbacks' worst day is those backup quarterbacks' best day. So, you know, and and even Ben Roethlisberger throwing four picks last year. Yikes, And the year before that, you know, it's like
0: he's fine when he doesn't play the jaguars.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, everyone has their bad day, but I mean, if we don't if you if if a backup quarterback has never started a game, you don't even know what their bad day is. You don't even know what their good day is.
0: That brings me to this question then. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in Brady's case cuz it's just Brian Hoyer. Mm-hmm. And maybe not even Big Ben cuz it's Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. More of an unknown third-rounder, you would think they right. kind of grooming him. So, of course it's a possibility, but less than these other two. I know it's Drew Brees and I know it's Philip Rivers, former teammates.
1: But you have two. Teddy starting. Bridgewater
0: has started games. Mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor has started games. Yeah. They're thinking Super Bowl. Right. They think they're really close. And mm-hmm. roster wise, the Saints and the Chargers are damn close. Mhm. You're telling me you wouldn't go after Owen five. Because if you wait six, seven, eight, you're not making the playoffs.
1: Right. But but the thing is is like if you go 0 and five and you bring these guys in, um, then what? So you lose three games, and then you upset your franchise quarterbacks, and then you bring them back in and say, "No, just joking. We know you had five horrible games in a row, but you know." And then those guys lay. It's it's not it, worth the risk. It's huh? not worth the risk. The I franchise. Don't think. Yeah. The whole respect. Unless and- unless they're not the elite quarterbacks like those four listed, you know, or Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. Unless they're 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 not those guys. Guys that. Like like Marcus Mariota, you can pull the plug after four games and say, "Dude, come on, man, you're screwing us over." Like Eli Manning, who's like the, the non-elite guys. Those guys don't have the ability of saying, "Dude, look at my track record. Look what I've done for your. Look what I've done for your team." Right. You know what I mean? So I would say the least would be eight games. The most is the whole season. So you deal they with they go 0-16, that's what we have with Matt Stafford. They didn't pull Matt Stafford went 0 and went 0-16. Right. You know? So it's like, well, what do you do? I mean, Matt Stafford is up there as as one of the elite guys. I don't think he's in that category, in that tier two he's list. He's probably
0: in most people's top dozen.
1: Yeah, I would agree. So, you know, if they don't pull him, they're not going to pull any of those guys. Why would you? You're, How it's awkward way awkward too was much that Eli
0: situation? Pull right. him and then you put him back in. And Very. if it was awkward for player of that caliber, yeah. You know, no, I'm not discrediting his two rings. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. No, not I don't anywhere. think he's Close. been the alpha quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's had more seasons where he's finished in top ten in picks mm-hmm. than he's had positive seasons or mm-hmm. a positive influence on his offense.
1: I think it was facetiousness. Mainly the fact of like, man, you're the reason why we're losing right now. Which I think, if, if you look at the stats for both fantasy and, and actual play of, of football, he didn't do as bad as last year as people perceive him to be, it's just he's just a sluggish, gumpy, funny person to make fun of. But th- he's not the reason why they lost. He was, was a that, part of the reason. It was the head he coaching the staff, exactly. It was front office stuff that trickles down into your players, and your players stop producing. You get an upset first, like a uh, your uh, wide receiver one. You get him upset about you know the camaraderie of the team, and then now he leaves. OBJ is now in Cleveland, but. You know, you get Saquon, and everything looks great. Obviously, Eli Manning isn't great, but he's not the reason why you lost. So pulling him, I think, was facetious, was the fact of being like, you know what, you ruined this for us, so here, come with me. You're going to lose your streak. Not good for a team.
0: All right, last defining question. Okay. It's between Rivers and Breeze. Mm. I'm telling you, one of them, in this scenario, one of them gets benched. Who is it? Who do we see on that field? Teddy Jesus. Bridge, Tyrod Taylor. That is a hard question.
1: I I honestly, it sucks to say, but I I I think Phil would get would get pulled first because of injuries, because you know
0: you can only be an Iron Man for so long, yeah. right?
1: But then again, on the contrary, though they've benched. Breeze a couple of times to bring in Hill. Taysom Hill.
0: Oh, I think it was more of a gimmick. Well, well right. But I see. But I, but, you what, see the crevice there and you think that it's, could.
1: It's they have no fear and productivity without having him on the field. Obviously, they're not saying, Breeze, come on, man. Come here. You're not producing right now. He's one of the greatest completion percentage passers of all ever, time. Ever. So, it's not that. But if they've shown that, hey, man, you know, take a, take a seat, dude. We're good. Or they're saying, "Hey, man, you know, we need we need to we need to change some things right now. Can you let us do this? You've given our time. We appreciate everything that you've done. Can you give us a couple games to figure our stuff out with Teddy and with even Taysom Hill?" And he
0: does look a little shot come mm-hmm. wintertime, December, January. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so I, honestly, up in the air. Wouldn't be surprised if either one.
0: I think I'm leaning Breeze.
1: I think I'm leaning Breeze now. I think so. I'm talking myself into it.
0: All great quarterbacks, but have fun conversation because all that is. All of that is possible.
1: Your, your job's not guaranteed, man. Unless you're Tom Brady.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, man, we gotta get back to our jobs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Speaking of jobs, right, thanks, die-hards. guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, thanks brother. All right, diehards. I want to dive into some of the numbers that I've been looking at offensively at the skill positions. Start with the quarterbacks. So I went back five seasons from 2014 to last year, 2018, and I picked three different stats at the skill positions on the offense. So beginning with QB yards over 4,000 yards. How many QBs? Well, on average, over the past five years, there's been 11. So if we're taking that research, 11 quarterbacks this season will throw for over 4,000 yards. In 2014, we saw 11 quarterbacks do that. In 2015, it went to 12. In 2016, that number increased yet again to 13. We saw a decrease in 2017 where that number went down to single digits at 8. And then last season, we saw a dozen passers over 4,000 yards. So there's consistency with that stat right there. 4,000-yard passers, it's been very consistent, hovering around 11. Quarterbacks throwing 30 touchdowns or more. The average over the past five years is seven. Seven QBs a year, throwing 30 TDs plus. So, dating back to 2014, it was exactly the same as what we saw last season in 2018. Nine QBs did it. The high out of the past five years was in 2015, where we saw 11 quarterbacks throw 30 plus touchdowns. And then 2016, 2017, those are the lower numbers where we saw five QBs do it in 16, a trio do it in 17. So, there was a dip, and it came back up last season. Back up to nine, but the average overall has been seven. And then quarterbacks with over 600 pass attempts. We've actually seen a decrease. It's been a passing league, right? The rules are helping promote more passing, more yards, more receivers, right? Well... The average over the past five years has been four and a half. Which means this season, we're going to see four or five quarterbacks, based on history, recent history, four or five, attempt at least 600 passes. No thanks to the past couple of seasons, which has come to my surprise doing this research, but I'm sure it's coming to your surprise as well. In 2014, 15, and 16, six quarterbacks did it through 600 pass attempts 2017 goose egg zero not one quarterback did it that was the year Wentz handed the baton to Foles and Foles beat Brady in the Super Bowl it was during that campaign not one quarterback averaged six not one quarterback got to 600 pass attempts that year so that didn't help these averages at all And then last year, 2018, four, which is closer to six. That was done from 2014 to 2016. Only four did it, though. So we still see a decrease over the past two seasons in pass attempts. So if you're looking for fantasy options at the quarterback position, four or five of those guys, odds are they're going to get 600 pass attempts. But as we've seen, the pattern, the number has decreased from six. Maybe that number continues to decrease. It would come to my surprise since it is more of a passing league. So I guess we got to kind of piece that stat together with some of the running backs, some of the receiver numbers, and tight end numbers that we're about to go over. Running backs, over a 1,000 yards rushing. The average has been 10, and over the years, it's been very consistent, dating back to 2014. So this year, expect 10 guys or around that number to rush for a K. So in order from 2014 to 2018, these are how many rushers did it. 13, 7, 12, and the last two seasons, 9. Very consistent numbers doesn't look like running backs are going away as we really think they are on the surface. That's a third of the backs, third of the league. As for running backs with double-digit touchdowns, that's 10-plus for you mathematicians out there. It's been a pattern. So expect four or five because that average is four and a half. Four and a half on average, running backs get double-digit touchdowns. We've seen two in 2014, six in 2015. 2016 was a high; that number increased to seven. But then the past couple of seasons, we see two, and then six again. So it goes for the past five years: two rushers did it, six, seven, two rushers did it, six. Are we going to see seven again? Are we? Are we? The average says four or five. But if you're buying into that pattern, it could be upwards. And then running backs with 270 carries at least. 270 and beyond. We saw an enormous dip last season. So the average is 3.5 for 270-plus carries. I'm not counting receptions here. Just running back carries. That old school that grinded out on the ground. We went from 4 to 2. Back up to 5, up to 6. And then last season, only one guy did it, Ezekiel Elliott. Huh. Coincidence that he's holding out here. I think not. The average is three and a half. Only one last season. If I had to bet on one this season, it might be Le'Veon Bell. I'd definitely throw Zeke into that category if he shows up. If he shows up. And yeah, I do think he's going to get a contract done, signed, and delivered and be on the field week one. But I'll admit this, aside from being a football diehard fan and analyzing the statistics and the games on a weekly basis and being super into fantasy football since 1999, I do have a favorite team, you know, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I do respect the talent on the Dallas Cowboys. But I wouldn't miss Ezekiel Elliott. I'm just saying. I would not miss him if I'm being completely honest. I think you feel me on that. (laughs) Imagine if you have a favorite team and you have those rivals and that running back isn't around and he's arguably the best in the game. You'd feel similar to what I'm feeling. As a football fan, yeah, I want to see Zeke on the field. As a fantasy fan, sure, I'd entertain drafting him. I hope your draft is late. So you actually know his status. It's a bummer about Zeke and Melv Gordon, but anyways, I digress. Let's move on. Let's move forward. So, the average is three and a half over the past five years. Three or four guys are gonna do it. I guess Lev Bell, I guess Zeke, based on me thinking Zeke's gonna be there week one. You'd have to imagine Saquon Barkley's gonna be three. And that's, that may be all we get is three. If it's a fourth, and I'm looking down this list here, I don't see it for James Conner, Nick Chubb. Hmm. I don't see it for David Johnson, Christian McCaffrey. I'm looking down this list. Maybe Derrick Henry, if the Titans are successful. We know, to, or we think we know, and expect Todd Gurley not to get that many. I don't think Leonard Fournette can last that long to get that many touches. But the wild card on this list I'll throw in is Brandon, er, <laughs> another Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs is retired, but Josh Jacobs, the rookie on the Raiders. I know. It's a big question mark. It's unknown. He's a rookie playing for the silver and black that have had a rocky, you know, just a rocky road in recent memory. Since the early 2000s. So I'm just saying that would be my wild card guess, Josh Jacobs, for fantasy purposes. But if I have to pick three or four guys, the numbers at three and a half, I'd bet on Barkley, Elliott, and Bell. If I had to pick a fourth, I guess I'd skim through a lot of guys on the list and pick either Henry. As the favorite, and the wild card being Josh Jacobs. I think that's realistic. You can go through it. You can look at the backs on the list throughout the league. If you've been doing fantasy mock drafts, you probably know it by hand, and you probably either agree with me immediately, or you're like, nah, I don't even see three. Maybe you feel that way. But if you do see three or four, you might want to snag them up in the first or second round of your drafts. Over to the wide receiver position, over 1,000 yards receiving. Huh. I mean, it's been fairly consistent. The average is 22 receivers a year. Over the past five years, dating back to 2014, the average is 22 wide receivers notching 1,000 yards plus. From 2014, we had the number at 23 receivers. That number spiked up to 26. Remained consistent to 25 receivers. And then in 2017, we saw a pretty big decrease, a big dip. That number went down to 15 wide receivers, getting over 1,000 yards in 2017. And then 2018 brought it back up a little bit, but it's still a decrease at 21. But that's plenty of fantasy options right there, isn't it? All of your teams are gonna have at least one guy that gets a thousand yards receiving. Knock on wood against the injury bug and all. But odds are if you're drafting a receiver every three rounds, you know, say you get a receiver two receivers in the first five or six rounds, you you're probably unless everyone's going three wide, you're probably gonna get you'll have a chance to get two wide outs that'll get a thousand yards. That's what I'm saying. And you should like that. We all like that. And then receivers over 10 touchdowns. The sexy double digits. Getting to the end zone. The average is 9. The average is 9. And again, just like some of the quarterback stats, we've seen a decrease in recent years. It's kind of appalling. Just We'll go from oldest. To most recent, 2014, 15 guys, double-digit TDs. Then we saw 13 guys do it. Then the dip to single digits, guys. Then the dip to five and then three. and Only three guys did it in 2017? And then last year brought that number up to respectable standard, but it's still less than 2014 and 2015. Last year we saw nine. So it, wide receivers stepped their game up to a respectable level, but still single digits. It's kind of a head scratcher. And then, wide receivers that get hundred catches or more. We love that number, hundred catches. It's kind of like stock, the stock market, like a stock. It just started out in the middle, went up, dipped, came back to the middle, and then we saw another spike. You draw it out, you'll see what I mean about it. It's just like a stock. 5 to 7, down to 3, up to 5, spike to 11. That's how many players did it over the past 5 seasons. 5 guys did it. 7, 3, and then 5 guys. And then last season was the high. 11 guys. So, that kind of tells you, when you're comparing the receptions and the touchdowns, that receivers are heavily involved between the 20s to move the ball up and down the field in the passing league that we're in today. However, the touchdowns, and we'll find out more in a moment as we go get to the tight ends here, it seems like the touchdowns are either going to rushing quarterbacks, to the running back, or the tight end. We'll get to validate that in a moment with tight ends coming up. Tight ends over 800 yards. Last couple of seasons has been lower. The average is six. Back in 2014, we saw seven tight ends get 800 yards or more. Number went up to eight, then went down to six. And the last two seasons, four. Last two years, four tight ends, 800 plus yards. The average is six. I'm more inclined to follow the trend here of four, but then I'm looking at the tight ends in fantasy football. I'm looking at this list here. And of course, you got what we think are the big three with Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle. And then we got the next group. It's about four guys. O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Jared Cook. Those four guys. You know, I can see all of them getting seven-plus touchdowns, which is our next stat. I'm not sure about the 800 yards. I'm not sure about that one. Hmm. Because when you think about it, Kelsey, yeah, he's going to get his... Ertz is going to get his, but we will see a dip in numbers. But yeah, he's going to be reliable. He's still going to get his. Kittle, he put up outrageous numbers last year, and he may and probably will get more attention from defenses, more coverage, despite having what we think is a better quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo when you compare him to the other guys from last year in Bethard and Mullins. So even though I think Ertz and Kittle, their numbers slide back a bit, a little bit. They're still studs. They're still reliable. You still want them in fantasy. They're still probably going to put up enough numbers to separate them to have that gap between the next four of Howard, Ingram, Henry, and Cook. And then you got Eric Ebron, who had double-digit touchdowns last year, Vance McDonald, who may get more, more targets. AB's gone. That's so many opportunities, 150-plus balls that Big Ben's got to throw elsewhere. Even if you think Big Ben throws 50 less balls, that he's got to throw it somewhere. It's not like they have one guy. Juju and AB both had over 140 targets, so Juju's still going to have that. If, his, if Juju's number goes up to 170, woo, man, he might he might be in consideration to be the first wide receiver off the board. Based on volume alone. But yeah, there's no other guy that's going to get a B amount of targets. And then you got Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Mark Andrews. I like Jordan Reed a lot. I know he's been hurt, but he's a baller. He's taking care of his body. He's the second year removed from injury. So he's back on my radar. He might not be on yours, but he's back on mine. Especially if you're in a deeper league. And then you got some forgotten veterans aside from Jordan Reed. you got Kyle Rudolph just got an extension. Delaney Walker in Tennessee. Greg Olson, I know he's been hurt. Closer to retirement every day as we speak. Just like Delaney Walker. But Greg Olson, when he's on that field, he gets the ball from Cam Newton. It's a Norv Turner offense that uses tight ends. Jimmy Graham. Rookies like TJ Hawkinson, Noah Font. I don't know. We're all, you know, we all want to stiff-arm the rookies, and that's fine. But I'm just throwing their names out there. Tight ends, deep, especially in standard leagues. If it's PPR, it's less deep. But in standard leagues, there's more options than you think at the position. Chris Herndon suspended four games, but he'll be there the next 12. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, so tight ends over 800 yards, it you know, the last 2 years it's been 4 and it might stay around 4. And then for TDs, 7 TDs or more, the average has been 5 guys at the tight end position. Besides last year where we only saw a trio do it, which is the top trio coming into this season, Kelsey Ertz and Kittle, it's been 6 tight ends from 2014 to 2017 to score seven TDs or more. Six. I can see that being maintained here because I, aside from Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle, I like the other four guys, which would bring the number to seven if they all do it. That's not even counting Ebron, who scored more touchdowns than all of them. And Joku and Hooper they're not going to have any defensive attention because of the wide receivers they play alongside with. That brings the total to 11 tight ends that could possibly do it. So if the average is five, I'm betting the over. And then for tight ends, getting 70 catches or more, the average is five. It's been consistent over the years. We've seen the number go from 4 to 8 to 5 to 4 to 4. That's consistency at the tight end position. I buy that. A lot of these guys may get 55 plus plus receptions up to 69. That's still not 70. So if you're going to bet, put the betting number at the average of 5, that's pretty fair. They can maintain that. It's been consistent over the years. I can see that moving forward. I'm just surprised overall when you look at the quarterback numbers where QB's throwing 30 touchdowns or more, you know, kind of recapping all this here, where we saw dips in 2016 and 2017. It's kind of head scratching. And then no passer through 600 attempts in 2017. This is the passing league here, guys. But, yeah, so just some interesting stats. Kind of just stumbled upon it as I was doing some fantasy football homework relentlessly. And I just wanted to share it with you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Hope it wasn't too much numbers. Hope I kind of played the numbers game the right way here. And um, that'll do it this time around. Good luck. Mock draft. Hope you know your position already. Hope it's not one of those leagues where you have to – where you find out your draft order on the draft day. That's kind of lame. In real life, these teams, they know their draft spot ahead of time. So should you in fantasy, but it is what it is. Good luck with your leagues and your mock drafts. I'll see you next time. Later, diehards.